0: I'll be too nervous to. i probably words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined as ever by Jason. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. That sounded a little bit different because I kind of went to say words and then come out like words. So that was um, that was an interesting one. That's not the pre-recorded version. that We always agree to. Um, but we're also joined by Stanley from Tour Tips. Stanley, welcome.
1: Well, hi guys.
0: Thank you very much for joining us. We uh, obviously we reference uh, Tour Tips, you know, every week. We put it in the in the description of the podcast. We talk about it, you know, in terms of stats. Don't we, Jason? Um, with our you know our approach numbers. Our I think one of my favourite features is actually looking round by round at sort of where the finish positions, rather than sort of the overall position, because it gives us a better idea of of how they got on and. And it's sort of information, Jason, that we, we sort of plugged away and got manually for years um, by different avenues of one another. But having it on tour tips is kind of the best way to, uh, to keep it all together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's the sort of renowned um, first stop for, for most golf punters. Um, I mean, Stanley, just interested, how did it all start? Was it an interesting figures or was it an interesting golf?
1: I suppose a bit of both. Uh, I, I, I'm a, uh, I'm a I'm a university lecturer in economics, so data analysis is something that has been the core of what I've studied and taught for for many years. Um, And this goes all the way back to the 1990s. I set up the site back in 1999, simply because back in in those days, there wasn't anything like this. Uh, It was just a case of some friends on, on a forum. Uh, tiger was making golf betting much more popular there are a lot more bookies often offering, offering golf odds and it's a case of right well let's share some statistics let's share some things like course form current form other things and, and just to people on the forum is a way of just kind of getting the information that was otherwise for me like you said really really difficult to compile on your own um and as tiger helped to make it more and more popular golf betting it, it became bigger and bigger and, and ultimately it became a fully fledged website rather than something just for a few friends together to, to collect some information that we can share to uh, make some money around you know it's grown yeah. up 20 you years to be what it is now is, <laughs> yeah so
0: it doesn't happen overnight does it that those sort of that sort of information you have to put together is you know, a, uh, you know, a massive work in progress and, and it's continuous, isn't it? I mean, we talk from time to time to, uh, you know, to talk about things that are being added and, and things that, you know, we like to see and, and, you know, even sometimes, you know, as data is, sometimes I've got a question if something's missing or I think it's missing and, and you, you know, point me in the right direction. Um, but how do you think, and, you mean, know, me and Jason are discussing this, how do you think, and it's probably a bit of a wide-ranging question of, of how much golf statistics has developed since you started it because you sort of mentioned there that you were, you were putting together a course on current form and and that would basically be considered the, the basic, uh, you know, form line now, isn't it? Other than that, there's so many different data points, you know, again, we I very, very heavily uh, weigh on sort of looking at strokes gain approach numbers and I think that's obviously a, a massive thing that's only coming in the last sort of Decade or so, uh, you know, openly with with the strokes going numbers, but you know, everything else is available on the site as well. That there's just so many different avenues you can go down. Well,
1: that's it. I think the, um, you know, the the first, you know, pause of call for anyone, and I introduced a goal betting saying, right, well, you're going to look at course form, you look at current form, that's what everybody looks at. That's going to give you an idea of who, how the market's formed, but you're not going to make money. Looking at how the markets form, you've you've got to find an edge somewhere. You've got to dive a little bit deeper, and find an angle that's uh, specific to that course or specific to a particular player. And that's why there's so much data around. That it was the the challenge of the, the website is trying to put that data into a form that's easy for people to use at the higher level for people who are not very knowledgeable about statistics and golf and, 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 and form and so on, but also provide an avenue by which they can drill down and say, right, okay, this is an event in which uh, it's tight ferry, fairways. I want to find who's good at hitting the fairways. How do I drill down into that and, and kind of go beyond the kind of that headline course form, current form that we, you, know, you, you start off with? And that's a challenge. It's a challenge because you're trying to meet the the needs of many different people. And the more days you throw at people, the more confusing it becomes. So the challenge is to present it in a way that people can navigate well and and understand what it means. And yeah, hopefully that's worked. I think for many it doesn't, but you know, hopefully that's that's something I try to address throughout the year and not completely revolutionize what's done but actually just piecemeal try and add new and new things that other people may find helpful.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, Jason, one of your uh, thoughts, um, you know, and I'll let you sort of phrase a question for Stanley, was kind of whether, you know, when Stanley makes his selections for golf bets, whether he's kind of guided by the numbers or whether it's kind of, uh, you know, whether there still is the kind of human element in the eye test that we look at, or, or whether, you, you know, it's just driven by the numbers and what you see and you trust those.
2: Yeah, I, I think that that's the case. I think if, if everyone looked at everything the same, then we'd all be agreeing. You know, we'd all have the same five out of eight or so players written down. So you've, I think, as as Stanley says, you know, it's trying to find something there that you can then use the stats for to, to justify your own your own price. Or your own, you know, I go off on convoluted things. Um, it doesn't always doesn't always work, but it's the figures help get to a point. And it's where you, are, you arrive at the stats from, if you like. So obviously, as he says, you know, you've got the course form, you've got the, the recent form. And then we go into, I mean, there's a, a brilliant profile page on every tournament. You go, to the, you go to the profile of the event and it shows you, in effect, a weighting of how important each category is. And then you interpret it from there, don't you? And as human beings, we then sort of make our own little forks and, and some of us end up miles apart, even though we start off looking at the same thing. So it's it's quite interesting. But, yeah, as I say, you know, Stanley, do you use your own opinion? We use a lot of emotion to get to where we're going at the end of the programme. Do you purely go, okay, this is for strokes gained approach, so that's the route I'm going and and diversions don't come in? Or how do you arrive at the final selections, if you like?
1: Uh, I well, like I said, given my, my training, I, I've got a statistical model that I've created that generates my shortlist. And then I'll say, right, I'll, I'll look at those four, five, 10, 12 players, and then I'll go and look at them and say, right, that personal knowledge of that player, what's he like under pressure, you know, all these other kind of things that I'll bring in there. And stats will, will help you identify who's likely to contend but if you, unless you've got that extra element, that bit of knowledge, okay, uh, about how to turn a prediction into something that's profitable, in other words, you've got a better understanding of that player or that course than the odds compiler, then it, it's not going to work, okay?
0: Yeah, and and you say there about how players perform under pressure, and and you you've got a, a couple of sections of the website that, you know, I, I don't use probably enough. Jason, you know, has discussed that he does use them, but there, there are sections there um, that, that can highlight particularly how a player does in in the heat of the battle. You know, we might say, um, or, or someone might have said for years that Kevin Nair is terrible in contention and, and that's obviously changed over the, you know, X amount of years. So where, you know, Stanley, would they go... On, on the database to look at how they perform, you know, so let's say X amount of shots behind the lead or or, or in and out of contention? Um,
1: I'd I, I point out two particular database queries that, that I use a lot. Um, and again, this is very much focused at final round analysis, okay? So whether that's, you, you're looking at 18 in bets for the final round, or you're looking at your current selections and they're in contention and, and should you let them ride or should you lay them off. The the two um, database queries that are very popular that I recommend a lot are are the, what's called the in-out contention database. So you can specify, so let's say, I want to find out how my player has done if they're within, you know, if they're within the top 10 with one round to play. Okay, and that will give you all the results of, of what they've done. Okay, so for example, uh, we know that Harris English has, has won four PGA tour events, but he'd never previously held the lead at the start of the, on his own at the start of the final round. This was a new experience for him last night and it really showed how that lack of experience, even though he's been victorious, but leading from the front from the tournaments for so for so long is really quite a, a draining process psychologically. And it really showed once he'd hit that first ball into water on the 11th. And then he did the same thing on 14th. And then he made a mess of Pi five that really for all his wins, he's not really a, a proven front runner. And, and that was, that could be seen. And it's same for, um, you know, Bryson uh, DeChambeau. I'm going to be accused here of post fitting that because I've got, I'm, I'm looking back at a player and knowing that they did spectacularly badly last night. But again, if, if you know, use a, a, a database query like that and say, how has he done when he's been second? Well, he's been second four times before at the start of the final round, and only once had he actually won. You know, he previously in the US Open had a similar kind of collapse to what he had last night. So certain players, you know, they, they won't always repeat themselves exactly, but they have, like Kevin Nas and, and so on, they will repeat themselves more often than not, and that's enough for you to get an edge in, in terms of the odds, okay? You don't need it to occur every single time. You cannot find a statistics that will have a hundred percent prediction success. The other thing, and, and this comes back from, um, so if, if you remember Keith Elliott's uh, Golf Form books, okay? One of his, his really good angles was what I called a Sunday supplement okay which was how would a play how does a player do in the final round if he starts within five shots of the lead and i've got that as a uh, one in terms of the uh, play profiles pages but, but two in terms of a specific database query um and again it, it's really useful to just take a look at those within five shots of the lead The start of the final round just run that query get a rough idea of who does well who doesn't in that scenario whether to lay them off or to back them and again it's cameron smith really comes out very strong when you put him inside database query as someone when he's within five shots of lead almost always okay and i'm talking um one example in the last two years where he's not done better than the rest of the the players who are within five shots of lead, and he you know other than go finding the uh He he hit it into the trees with his drive and tried to play the uh, career shot and went down to bounce after a ricochet last night. He's someone who always, when in contention, will, will give you a good run for your money. Okay, And these kind of database queries are helpful in terms of identifying those things.
0: Yeah, and I've, you know, just on while you were talking about that Sunday, something because that was something I, you know, I haven't used before, and I just, I just put Grant Forrest's name in just out of interest of what he'd done. So obviously, as we know, last week he was, you know, in round three he was, he was first and, and finished first. But looking back at the, the Irish Open, Jason, he was seventh after round three. moved up to fourth place uh, in South Africa, the Irish Open, um, 2019. He went from tenth to fourth. Um, you know he's He's been second and, and then stayed second uh, back on a challenge tour. He was eighth after round three at St. Omer and, and then um, you know got into first place but lost in the playoffs. So he went up seven positions. So I guess that is something that me and you haven't really spoken about on the podcast. And it's something that, you know, I suppose that would be something that would come into your 54-hole column and it's something that if we ever did an in-play thing, that would really come into its own.
2: Yeah, there's some, there's some fascinating stuff. I mean, done okay with Vincent Norman at uh, Celtic Manor because uh, it's a very small sample size. But until um, uh, the ISPS event, uh, he was going backwards around three, coming again in round four. Um, and that was something a lot of people would have looked at it and gone, oh, okay, he's gone out of the tournament. Hits well, three weeks to see it yourself. Three weeks in a row, he's gone 71, 74, 77 in round three. And a lot of people would say he's gone. And he's come back to shoot better in round four. So there was plenty there in terms of you know trying to nick top ten bets, a couple landed, um, or, or a, you know, a match bet. You can also look up here on a head-to-head. I mean, my, my favourite one was David Halsey last week. I know Jordan Smith messed it up as well. But if you look at David Horsey, although he's won four times, he's never won without a clear lead. So he's never won from second place in the final round. Now it's going to happen one day, I'm sure. But he's had a long career, you know. It's 13 years or whatever it is now, and he's never done it. And and you looked at it and he was, I think, he was 13 to eight or something like that. Um, it's there, isn't it? And you 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 know, it's not. It's not. You know, you don't have to lay out a fortune to be able to lay these people. Um, you know, over the weekend, you know, Grant Forest, okay, but you looked at the others, and they weren't convincing in front, and you were laying two on i think the front three Um, you and james morrison nearly did you a favor um so it's, you know, it's quite interesting there's, there's so much there to look at and i agree i think i think away from away from the pre-event stuff this in running stuff there's in running stats as well um so if you, if you drop down sorry i'm advertising the site Stan, even though you don't pay me anymore uh, right, <laughs> uh you go down to the european in running and you've got everything everything is there in running um you know the strokes gained approach per round Uh, every single thing is in front of you and and there's so much information that you can use Um, and with a little bit of experience and over time it's so helpful it just gives you an idea of what players do especially when they're under pressure so yeah it's a a fantastic resource and like you say we don't use it probably often you know as much of the site as we possibly could but uh, you know it's there and and there's offers throughout the season you know to use it for, for one week and it's it's got to be used. If you're a golf punter, as much as Keith Elliott's book was vital back in the day, um, but how we how we forecasted you know events eight months in in the, in you know in the future, um, this is vital now. I, I just don't see how you can be a golf punter without it. To be honest.
0: Right, and you know you talk about the in running part there, and that's something that I really like to use because I. I was very much a person that was very much pre-event picks and I just sort of stuck to it and I didn't really like to get too involved because you you'd sort of think... I, th- I do remember a time when I was actually at the Open uh, at St Andrews and when you're on site and, and the rain's coming down and Mark Leishman's just shot the round of the day in round three and you don't see how anyone's going to be able to catch him, you start putting a bet on, but you can't be there all the time, so it's very, very difficult. Uh, the in-running uh, statistics has really come into its own mean, we're having a discussion I came back on a train... Uh, from Liverpool yesterday, and a couple of friends were looking to back Jordan Smith in running. They thought he was, you know, within a decent shout of, of, of winning. And I sort of said, well, you know, his irons haven't been anywhere near as good this week than they normally are. And that's something that we associate with, you know, Jordan Smith and, and how good he is. And, and his his irons were getting progressively worse throughout the, throughout the week. Um, his putting was kind of better than it normally is. And that, for me, just made him a, a completely obvious choice to leave alone. Uh, it's very easy to say that in in retrospect, and and I can only try and assure you that that was a conversation I did have um, at that But do you think it's it's fair to say that these sort of statistics do come in their own um, maybe more in play than they do, you know, pre-event? And is there something that you would target personally, you know, mainly pre-event that you can kind of get a gauge of of where to go from there?
1: Um, I, I think the The thing about in-play statistics and and certainly round-by-round data, you're going to get an awful lot of noise in the data because you get an awful lot of variation from one round to the other. Now, does that help you predict how a player's going to do in the next round? It's much easier to forecast a tournament that's across the full four days than it is for 18 holes. So I would say that, you know, using the in-play statistics, um, that's available using the odds checker or other odds comparison sites, just gather some data of odds of players for round by round, gather some data about in-play statistics that's available to, to, to our tips or, or whatever, and, and try a few angles and see what works, okay? it's You, you can get a, a lot of bets in play And even if your margin is quite small because there's a lot of noise in the data, it can be very profitable. I mean, one of the the, the more common ones I've seen uh, people talk about, and and again, I've done some tests on this myself and weak support for it, is that if a player has a particularly good uh, strokes gained putting in one particular round, you oppose them in the next round. Because the the odds that are set on a player are largely governed by a what score they did in the previous round and, and, and be the leaderboard position, not how they constructed that score. And if someone's had a career or a really good uh performance on the greens, that's atypical for a player, they're unlikely to repeat it the following day. A revergence to the mean effect. So it, it, it's one of the more popular ones. And uh, again, I've, I've, I've said that, yeah, I, I found evidence of it. I think the time involved, okay, is more that I've got to actually gather the data and, and do in, in running bets as well as pre-tournament and running the site and ever. But, you know, there's certainly angles there and the data's there for, them, for you to test them yourselves and see if over the course of 10, 50, 100 bets, would that be profitable? If
0: so then then certainly go for it. Yeah, and Jason we, we spoke at the weekend and, and someone Lucas Bjerregar was someone that I kinda of mentioned pre event last week and how, how I was disappointed we couldn't see the statistics because it was an event that didn't offer them um at, at the ISPS Hander and I just wondered how he'd got to to where you know where how he got to that tie that finish. Um but as we said he hold just leading on from what you said they hold two hundred feet worth of putts on Friday. Um and I said to you, Jason, you know, and, and you sort of said the same thing, like, yeah, you know, do you expect it to carry on? Um and you sort of reported back to me as I was away that on Saturday he kind of looked a bit exhausted and, and we kind of come to the conclusion over the weekend that he potentially, you know, you can't second guess people, mentally hadn't been in that sort of arena for a long time and, and maybe didn't expect to be there after such a long time out, he didn't quite know what to do and and that is the sort of thing again, it is just a way that you can use the in play, Jason. Yeah, I think
2: it's accepted that um, now that sort of putting can can be on and off. I mean, we can, there's a couple of players we're going to talk about tonight. I hope it's on this week. Um, there there are a few there that you just simply can't trust over a six footer or five footer for, for par to win a tournament, but um, it happens, doesn't it? I mean, you know, take John Smith again. You know, current you know currently sort of in the news, if you like, over the last couple of weeks. Was a demon putter back in the day. Couldn't do a thing, but was that due to um, what he was going through over lockdown? Looked great a couple of weeks ago. And then when it came to the nitty gritty, it just fell apart. Um, I think you're right. I think, you know, the majority of people look at iron play and look at um, approach play because it does put obviously less stress on the scrambling, etc., etc. But equally, it, your putts, you're careful what putts that you look at because, you know, a player banging in, you know, I don't know, 18 chances from 15 foot who doesn't make the majority of them. Um, and yet somebody who's you know, scrambling away and making every three foot pass, um, you want to be looking at that with birdie conversions and things like that. So it's not necessarily just what's in front of you. It's a combination of things, isn't it? Um, it's very difficult. And I, I think you've got to watch as well and, and see how the stats are compiled uh, and go from there. It's, it's, a, it's why we do it isn't it it's because every week it's a puzzle it's a puzzle to solve and um you know it's 150 of the buggers every single week at least and at least two tournaments and uh yeah that's why you should really celebrate it if you get it right pre-event because um it's a terrific feat and and you know i'll say you know for example ben i know he's you know he's a friend of the pod but the run he went through early this year was just to get that many pre-event bets and at prices is is just stunning really Um, so so difficult but it's all there in front of you there's enough stats
0: so work on it and
2: and see what works
0: yeah and I think that's right I think that I mean I I certainly think despite the fact that you know we're not going to sit here and say we get winners every week but I think that the process and our conversation since we've been affiliated with Tour Tips and Stanley you know in the sense that uh, that's kind of driven our approach and, and the things that we look at I mean I I tend to use uh, a very much com- a combination of event form, current form, cause form, location form. I really, really like um, just seeing how someone does in a certain country is is massive. I think, you know, it, for example, Rasmus Hogard, he I was going to speak about later 2631 uh, in England last year. Now. Um, was that because of lockdown yeah, you know pretty much of course i'd say that is it's fair to say but it's just something that you'll have in the back of your head that that they play well in that country and i, I sort of saw it at times with i think it was someone like Bert ridhammer or someone like that you know and and even the last week you know i knew that he played well in scotland because i was on him at the alfred dunhill when he won but when you actually look at how well he's played consistently you know over time at you know in scotland that's something that I think I use quite often. I don't know, Jason, how often you use that, but I think I probably go to it more often than you, and and maybe put a bit more credence in it.
2: Yeah, different people use use different criteria, don't we? Um, you know, I mean, generally having a look at at, at these sort of location is important. Um, you know, we, we all do different things. You know, I approach it a combination of of um, of aspects. You know, I I like to look. What sort of um, combines various winners or, or really outliers in tournaments? So, for example, you know that again we'll talk about later. You know Webb Simpson. You know exactly this is you know this is amongst about six tournaments that he turns up in every year. But we know that. So let's look at the outliers, those that those that turn up and are sort of top twenty in this tournament all the time. That are really um, again there's one that we like later. But we'll mention the name now, bringing up Lace, it doesn't matter. Um, so Ryan Armour. Um, you know, nothing much really, but let's have a look at where he turns up and what type of courses he turns up. So it's them that I like to look at, and then you can go into however you want to go into it from from the site after that. And it, you know, you can you can approach the same player from what six, seven, eight different ways. Um, yeah, it's just how you want to do it. You know, I know I know a couple of punters that that I mean, one quite well known punter who's, who's moved on from golf does a little bit now, but used to be very very big in golf. Um, was purely a greens and reg player back in the day, four strokes gained, and he was convinced that greens and regulation was the only way to go, and and he was pr- proved a hell of a lot of times uh, right during the year. Uh, another couple that make their own, I know, I know here that you can generate your own stats that maybe Stanley can touch on. Um, it, uh, he generates his own stats, so they're slightly, they'll be slightly different. He weights them in a different way, um, and he comes up with his own ratings and his own prices and. And you know whatever works for you. If it, at the end of the day, if it works and you can sign a profit at the end of the year, it works. That's fine. Yeah.
0: So Stanley, if, if you could then, if if you can kind of give us a, an idea of, of how to use that, generate your own stats uh, section above. So this is we've gone into the the event for the week. I'm looking at the Kazoo Classic opening page, where I'm looking at tables. Normally, I as I said there, I use the current form, course form, event form, location form, and I normally just use very heavily on the strokes kind of approach there's a there's a section there above there called generate your own stats. And then you get taken to uh, another section where you can download an existing file, edit a file, upload, etc. What do you put in there to generate your models?
1: Um, they, these are um, non-course specific uh, models. Uh, model coefficients uh, within the uh, the model um, that generate the ratings. Okay, well the ratings are based out of a specific model but the, the key thing about this feature is that um, every Monday morning I will update the stats for that week's events based on the fields that are available and as the fields change then I will update the stats okay. With the generate your own uh, stats page, it means you've got the ability to say, right, well, I actually want to do this, not on the predefined tables that exist on the website, but I want to do it for my own set of players. So let's say I'm looking early towards next week's events or, or uh, you know, we've got no more majors left, but we've got a major coming up. I want to put in my set of players. And, and and choose what the location is choose what the course is and and just get the data as if you know i stanley actually generate the stats for you on the website so you get the ability to choose what plays you have and then you've got access to those those tables whether it's current form or course form the location form that you've talked about ratings and so on okay and that's the ability the, the ability to just you know enable people to do their own customizer on tables okay in the same way we've got with the other things right you, you have to have eight weeks of data; you can have 15 weeks and so on here you can do it for your own players
0: yeah absolutely and and just you know touch upon what you said there so your ratings table is your your statistics and how you choose to input that data uh, and that brings out the ratings of the players so for example Burnt V's is rated first his week by himself Richard Bland second Cohn third etc that is based on on what you've projected for the week um
1: okay That that's that's like, like I said the, the, the coefficients on, on the model are fixed okay yeah. um you know once you generate it what it's trying to do is to generate the tables that you can view them for yourself for that set of players okay um and yeah, the ratings is is a very simple model um it, it's there to give an indication um but really the whole thing by the website is to try and get to the point whereby you've got some headline statistics and you're able to dig down deeper and the key thing about any of these tables is that next to each player you've got a link that says more info and that's the thing i, I, I want to point people to the, the most whereby you've got a player who you're interested in. By clicking on that more info look, you've got the last six months of the performances, the statistics, the strokes gained, data and so on, as well as how they've done on that course and and that location of the last 25 years. So you've got the ability to have in one page, a complete statistical summary for a single player for that's relevant for that particular event in that particular location
0: and on that more info there stan it includes strokes gained yeah. uh your, your your basic stats in terms of distance driving accuracy it's got uh the course and the location form in there so it's actually got like you say everything over you know was it one two three four four tables uh on one page for that one player so you can uh, you know, it'd be perfect for us in, in the sense of when we I want to talk about one certain player, I've got that all without having to write it all down individually. I can just reel that off as I'm talking about it.
1: Yeah, and I think like, like we said before, I think we're trying to identify players who may not have, you know, um, high finishes, but we've got the ability to quickly see, oh, they've done well for two, maybe three rounds, several times in the past, Okay. They're not, on the, they're not on the, getting the TV coverage, but they're getting close to that breakthrough. They've just not got to that point yet of, of in, when they're in the final round position of being in the top 20 to kick on to top 10 uh, uh, and otherwise, they're just kind of sticking around that top 20 mark. I think that's a, a really useful thing to look at, because if you just look at how players finished, you just got a leaderboard, what was their finishing position? You don't get the full story anywhere near the full story of how they played and what you can use to help you understand how they may do in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Jason, we talk about an awful lot, don't we? That um, I think it's easy enough to spot trending form if you just go on the World Golf Rankings website and just see 22nd, 17th, 15th, 12th, 6th. Um, you know, that person may be trending towards a victory, but what we like to do. You know, is when we go on to the the current form or the course form or location form, you can hover over round by round and see how they got to that finishing position. Um, And quite often I'll sit there and say to you, you know, and I'm going to do it later on, you know, Roger Sloan, for example, at the Wyndham Championship, he was first after round one shot 62 at the Wyndham. I don't think anyone will, you know, maybe the the golf nerds amongst us would remember that that Roger Sloan shot 62 at the Wyndham Championship last year to lead, but you know, the, the very basic thing tells you that he's finished 33rd um, or 39th or whatever it was. And, you know, you could very quickly discount him if you were just looking at current form and course form. Whereas, uh, as Stanley just said there, it really does pay to look at how they're putting those, you know, what you say all the time, in terms of missing cuts. It, not all missed cuts are equal. They might have had a really good one round and, and been on the bad side of the draw in another, or they may have just had a horrendous putting day. So it's really important to... Look at a round by round basis and make more uh, conclusions from there. Yeah, depends what you
2: want out of it at the end of the day, doesn't it, really? You know, if you just
0: want recreational,
2: then you're only really going to be looking at uh, the very basic stuff they used to have in the Racing Post, which is course form and um, finish form. And if that does you, that's fine. I think, you know, for the punter that takes it a bit more seriously or has, you know, or even has fun in, in spending hours pouring over stats, that's exactly what you want and that's where the position by round stuff comes in and things like that you you couldn't you know you can't see some of this stuff just looking at a, as you say a bloke that finished 33rd doesn't mean anything he could have collapsed from a challenging position after day 3 and he's done it before you know or somebody who's 10th can continue to be coming from 25th 30th behind with a, a very very low final round yeah absolutely it's uh it's as I say it's a big big puzzle and it's uh what we do isn't it what we chose to do and it's it's great fun and you need these resources because lord knows how you'd get this stuff without it
1: well i think let's see if i could come out let's say you mentioned grant forest before he would missed a cut the week before he won last week i think if i'm looking for value i'm actually quite you know i'm kind of identifying people in the last week or last two weeks, who just haven't done very well. We, we're going to get much better odds on someone who's, who's missed a cut or had a, you know, a mid leaderboard position than someone who's finished fifteenth, eighth in the last two weeks, and and, uh, and you run into this event. You know uh,
0: And the important thing with with that in terms of Grant Forrest is, it, you know, he shot seventy two, seventy three. You know, he missed the cut. I think it was maybe three or four shots, but they weren't horrendous rounds, were they? They're, they're not something that would really, really put you off.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Do you, do you think there is any one statistic that you think is underutilised, you know, from a pre-event point of view, you know, from, from what you see on the website and what people tend to, to look at more often? Do you think there's something that you would suggest that people would look at from a, uh, from an approach point of view that, that maybe could help others to, to identify these people pre-event? I think
1: there's, I mean, I think we've covered the most... Relevant stats. In terms of, you know, you look at current form, look at course form, you look at greens and regulations, that it's strokes gained, and so on. But for me, uh, and like I say, you, you kind of look at location form. The difficulty the, that I have with a lot of these approaches is you end up, particularly if you look at how did scoring averages and things like that, you find you end up with a short list of people who've got very good averages, that, that you know, players like Daniel Berg or Tony Finau, who don't win a lot, but they're very consistent or, or Webb Simpson, for example, and I will we'll talk about later for sure. Um, the one thing that I would suggest people look at, uh, and again, it's in my long-term form table is um, top 10. Okay. What percentage of their finishes ter- finished in the top 10? uh this is what i came back to the the better odds are on those players that are erratic that will throw in a, a a week every now and again in which to get placed and maybe they'll win every every year or two okay and and that's that you kind of capture in terms of you know look at top 10 percentage of your top 20 is less so that one Combine that with the other stuff around, you know, the generic, the general current form, course form, uh, how they've done over the last six months and so on. I think that's, that's something to throw in there that I don't think people look at. You know, trying yeah. to capture that volatility, who is the type of player who will come in and just go miss cup, miss cup, three, four in a row and suddenly hits top ten and then hits another run of, of poor finishes and hits another top ten.
0: Yeah, and I think that there's certainly players that we talk about that, you know, we, we almost jest about kind of people like Jim Herman and James Hahn on the PGA Tour, especially that clearly when it, when it all clicks together, they're they're very volatile in the sense that they can win or miss a cut. And but there are probably lesser known people as as you're identifying they're in the long term form um, that we know are, are winners, but don't don't place every David Horsey is is probably a pretty good example, Jason, that is someone that. You know, you don't expect to see him on the leaderboard every week, but he does do generally okay when when he's got the chance to win. Well, when it's the right track, uh, and, and
2: yeah, when it's the right track, you 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 see that those type of players, you know, come to the fore, don't you? I mean, it's it's you know sometimes it lets you down. I mean, you look at someone like Eddie Pepperall, who who's had his perfect track a couple of times now in the last month and hasn't done it, uh, but you know. There we are. These, are. these are the risks
0: we take. If you don't want to do it, keep your money in your bin, mate. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> Jason, you had a question about the adjusted score section on the tour tips.
2: I, 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 yeah, I just wanted to clear it up, really. Um, I was playing about earlier, and as I say, I, I don't always
0: use everything. Um,
2: but, for example, uh, Stanley, last week I made some sort of link between China and, uh, and last week, uh, Fairmont, uh, because there was... There was form in China and a lot of the leaderboard from last year. As it turned out, Grant Forest had two seconds in the Hainan Open. Um, so if I, if I was to, if I'm, you know, let's, let's do a real life thing. If I'm putting in Forest in the adjusted scores, uh, which I haven't pressed China on, but if i um what What am I looking at as the adjusted score? What does that interpret? into? It
1: just, the, they just discussed a way to me- take into account both field quality, course and weather conditions in any sport. So if a player shoots seventy, that could be uh, a really good score. Let's say it was Thursday afternoon, okay, at uh, at last week's uh, Euro event in the on uh, the wind and rain, or it could be a really poor score because of the you know it was a low scoring event as we. You know, we saw in the in the US, okay, um, Barracuda for example. So, what, what the adjusted score does is it's it takes a player's score for an individual round. It subtracts the average score for players on that day. So, so let's say you've got you shot 70. The average on that day is 72. So let's say you, you're two better than the average, okay? And then you've got a field weight added to that. Now the field weight comes from um, the Sagarin. Uh, Jeff Sagarin developed an index, uh, he initially did a statistical way to measure uh, chess players, okay, because they all played each other one-on-one and how you created a, a ranking for everyone. Um, and he did the same thing, he applied it to golf. And it is published on um, the website, golfweek.com. And that's the staggering index for every player. So I update that, uh, my uh, record of every player's sagging score, score, okay? And it averages out around 70. And what that does, it gives you a measure of the field, qual- field quality. So for example, last week, um, in the WC, WG, uh, WGC event, uh, there would be an average field score of around 69.7, I think it was. Okay. Um, let me just quickly have a look what it was last week. Um, if I can spell Ryan Forrester's name right, I will bring it up. Okay. Um, for last week's event, for example, Okay, on the on the on the European tour. Okay, uh, the field score was seventy two point seven. So roughly, the, the the players who were playing in the Hero Open last week, averaged over the course of a year, three shots worse per round than players who were competing in, in the WGC events. Okay, that seems quite a lot, but it's it's there's really quite a big differential. And this this gives you a way to say, right, one, you're measuring for field quality. Okay, so 70, you're two better than the field, but it's against the hero open. Well, that becomes a 70.7. If it you're two better than the field, but it's a WGC event, that becomes a 67.7. And of course, by measuring your score against the average for the field on that particular day, you've taken into account how difficult the course was, what the weather conditions were. So the average score is on that different days in the mid 70s, and you score 70, then you're much better than the field average. So it's a way to ensure that the, the score for each round is portable and comparable across tournaments, across time, and across different tours, and that that's the way I try to achieve that. And therefore, um, that average at what I call adjusted score it is available in master tables, okay, on, on site.
0: So, so just to clarify, so for a, an example, I've got here which looks like a kind of reasonably big difference. Uh, so I'm looking at this week's Kazoo Classic, and I'm looking at the current form table, uh, and I've organised it by adjusted score. Uh, Richie Ramsey's actual score over the last eight weeks is 68.81 so I'm guessing that's a stroke average that he's he shot during those events during that time but it's been the adjusted score is 70.52 so would that suggest that although he is averaging 68.81 through those four events he would actually you know in, in terms of going against you know stronger field strength and the rest of the country it would be, be you know 70.52 is actually the baseline that he would probably hit and that would possibly be why we would see players who are in really good form struggle when they went up to a, a bigger field.
1: That's right, that's right. So the, you know, the, like I said, roughly, it, it works out about an average, um, average PGA Tour event has an average field around 70. That's not by construct within the and index, but that's just what it sounds like. And it's around 71 for a standard European Tour event. There's about a one-shot differential OK, um, and it's like I say, it's just trying to find a way because players compete across different tours. Um, it's trying to find a way beyond finishing positions and beyond, you know, raw scores. What is a comparable score? Because, you know, uh, in, even at the most basic level, you're playing a pie 70 or you're playing a pie 72. <laughs> you know, very different course conditions can generate very different scores. So you've got to have, find a way to make sure you make them. Comparable, okay, across different players and different tournaments.
0: So, so in the in the sense this week, so on the uh, the Kazoo uh, Classic again, Richard Bland has the highest adjusted score in the field over the last eight weeks of sixty nine point nine six. His actual score is seventy point zero six. But that that adjusted score, I'm assuming, is because he's played in the Open Championship in that time frame. He's played in some tough conditions. Um, so so. I suppose it's not as how you interpret it but would a fair assessment be that, that you would expect richard bland to play well in an event where the conditions are you know giving him some relief as to what he's played in over the last four weeks for example
1: yeah i mean that, that that's basically it if you look at his four events so the open the scottish open um the irish open and the us open those are his four starts in the last eight weeks now those have been against very strong fields in the main so his actual score, okay, 70.06, is his average score over those four events. But once you take the field into account, that's actually really quite a very, a very good score indeed. To so do what he did, you know, he finished fourth in the uh, Irish Open, 15th in the Scottish Open. Very, very good performances against very strong fields.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Jason, I suppose that there clears up the uh, not confusion, I suppose, but the intrigue that you had around that statistic. Yeah,
2: absolutely. It's another factor, isn't it?
1: Another yeah,
0: factor to take into account. The
1: the other thing to 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 say about the the tables like this is that it's uh, a weighted average. It's not a simple average as the scores over weeks, and that there's a, a increasing weight for the more recent events. Okay, so that. If, if, if you talk about, you know, if you expanded the table from eight weeks to fifteen weeks, what you did fifteen weeks ago won't impact you as much this week as what how you performed last week or the week before. So it's a weighted average in, in that respect.
0: So it would, so in, in that sense, so it wouldn't, you wouldn't be harmed by, um, you know, someone having a really good period of form twelve weeks ago. The adjusted score wouldn't it wouldn't weight those events as much as it would in the in the you know the recent weeks, if you like. So Richard Bland's uh, adjusted score of sixty nine point nine seven that time is still very relevant because that is highly weighted towards the most recent starts. And there's actually only a little bit of difference, sixty nine point two seven of his actual score during that time, because that was when his win came. He had a third place finish to South as well, so it, it gives you a good outlook without actually putting any bias towards something that someone done too long ago
1: that's right that's right because uh, otherwise you can find that averages are very slow to move if you keep them as simple unweighted averages
0: yeah excellent that, that clears up that for me and I'll definitely be using that more often and um, the Sunday supplement will definitely be getting used more often as will the in and out of contention as Jason was already telling me off for not using uh, more often anyway um, I think that kind of sums up the sort of questions that I had, Jason. Did you have any more that you wanted to sort of ask, Stanley? No, I in?
2: think I think that sets people off on the right. That gives people enough homework, doesn't it? Um, it's just like you know, you've got to play around with it. You've got to spend time looking at what makes makes it work for you. What stats do you think are relevant for you? But I think you know, Stanley's covered it, and, and as have we. And there's so much up there. Um, there's enough information for you to make your own decisions, and and of course golf is a long term thing, isn't it? You know, you can go through months of, of it not taking off, but if, as the players say, if you believe in your process, um, give it a go, and, and there's enough info for you to work with, so
0: get on with it, really. Yeah, I think so. And Stanley, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there is or there was the Corn Ferry Tour section of the website was uh, free to use uh, for a time being, so people could. Use those, um, you know, data points to to understand, see how they get on, and then and then maybe upgrade to the full site and get everything from there.
1: That's right.
0: That's right. Hopefully,
1: yeah. some master the corn 32 I've yet to do so. <laughs> <laughs> I keep that. trying. It's uh, so many uh, near misses on that one. But the, it, it, remember the all the stats. The odds, whether it's Betfair odds or whether it's odds from odds che- checker, uh, the England in running stats, everything gets archived each week and it's there going all the way back to well, first available 2000. Go back. If you want to look at an event, you can go back to that event, how it's been, you know, the stats for that week, events from years gone past, but, but more importantly, If you think you've got an angle, go back, gather the data from past events, you've got the odds from past events there are on tour tips, if, you know, and just see if you'd adopted that angle, would it have been profitable? Try another event and build up that data and and try and test your angles and and see if they're profitable and and then, then put money on it, okay? Everything's there to help you do that
0: and that's the thing is i think that they're i think probably the the main part of this podcast and for me was to i'm not suppose simplify it because you wouldn't want to simplify it because it's there to be difficult and to, to be not long-winded but to be more involved but i think that i think a lot of people could could get onto a site and maybe be overwrought by it you know and and you know, not know what to look at, and and be worried that once they put that in, they don't really know what they're looking at, and and how to take it. And, and like you said, there, once you you given yourself a chance to actually understand it, compare it to previous years. I mean, I, I'll give an example of when um, I was looking back at the Open Championship of 2011 to see how people performed at Royal St George's, and there was an awful lot of fo- I think it was an awful lot of focus on scrambling would be really important. And when I looked, I looked right back on the archives 2011. I don't think Darren Clark, Mickelson or Dustin Johnson are ranked very highly in scrambling whatsoever, so there's an awful lot of noise that you can hear, um, especially on the TV, me and Jason talk about an awful lot, that you hear commentary and they make these kind of blasé comments and people sometimes take them as, as, um, you know, definitives, whereas actually if you go and and look back, um, those things can actually be completely wrong and, and you really have to come to your own conclusions as opposed to taking stuff from what other people say.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and and the more divergent opinion there is, the better the odds that are for us. Yeah, absolutely, I
0: completely agree on that. So to to clarify there, um, you know, obviously we would recommend that you go and get the full, you know, subscription, and because European and PJ Tour are obviously um, the most popular. Um, I've more recently, as much to Jason's joy, have have got, got more involved in the Challenge Tour. So, and that's something that I would never would have done without having some sort of Uh, data point of being able to go through the course and current form there so if you you really want to get to grips of of what the site can offer i I really would go and suggest using the corn free tour. even if you just do it this week um you know because it is the last event for them to to get themselves into the top 25 there it'd be a really really good week to see just what what you could input how that makes you draw the conclusions um i think i used I used the Corn Fairy Tour a little while ago because I was looking at the fact that Chad Ramey, I think it was, had basically finished inside the top 20 about a hundred times over the last year. It was something ridiculous. Um, I'm a cough exaggerating there. But, you know, it It does, it just gives you the amount of information that you need and it's tailored to what you need. There's nothing there that, you know, it, you're not giving us the data that, you know, you want us to hear. You're just giving us all the options available to make our own decisions and draw our own conclusions and, um, and then go from there. I think that's probably the fairest way to summarize that. I'm happy with
1: that as a summary. There we go. (laughs)
0: Um, Jason, let's actually move on to the events this week. I think that we have grilled Stanley enough on the actual site itself. Um, But I think we've also given it because I think that we, we give it, um, you know, it's praise and I, I attribute a lot of the the more recent success to it to the fact that I actually have this statistics available because you know that, there are things out there, but trawling through it and trying to find it and getting through blocked websites is really, really difficult. Whereas if you sign up for this, it's, it's all there and having it. Um, I think it's a really good time for us to go on to Kazoo Classic and kind of point out who we like. So I will give out the, you know, the the opening people in the betting. So we've got Burnt Viesberger there at 16 to one is the the biggest price available. Andy Sullivan twenty two to one, Masahiro Kawamori, twenty five to one, Richard Blander, we've just spoken about at length, twenty eight to one. Uh, Mikko Miko Victor Perez, Victor uh, Vincent Norman, Callum Hill, his. There's, there's a lot of thirty-three to one, so I'm not going to go through all of them, but you know, those are some of the names that we've seen at the top of the betting. Who for you kind of stuck out as one of those that you could pick from that selection?
2: you can always make a case can't you Uh, because they're the class of the field Um, I'm struggling when you start looking at Richard Bland at 28-1 to now and Karimura who can't get over the line same price you know if Catlin was in any sort of form and you thought it was going to be difficult conditions as we say but again caught up with him now really cool Honan doesn't win it's difficult isn't it I mean you've got the potential of Vincent Norman but he's yet to do it and uh, we're not sure what he's like when it actually comes down to it's it's really really difficult. I mean, for me, I, I thought you could leave the light out. Mr. Victor Perez was obviously interesting on his class. Um, it's obviously top 50 in the world. You wouldn't think that was some of his performances, but it wasn't that long ago. He was there at the match play, uh, the players, and you know, doing some doing some fantastic stuff. Um, we we talked about potential links, didn't we? Uh, earlier on, and we've argued about that for quite a while. Um, today, typically I see messages going back and forwards. That's important. what
0: happens when I have a day off work.
2: Right. Yeah, I, I like sort of looking at bizarre links. I think last week's form has got a say in it. Um, if we go back to when you know this this did host, you know, a few tournaments quite a few years ago. Um, but if you if you go back to him, 2014 World Match Play was there. Um, we discussed Bickellin and Henrik Stenson who were finalists. Um, then looking at where they did well. Stenson, um, as one at, uh, the Ned bank and at the BMW international, the Gary Play course, I believe had some sort of influence from Ron Kirby. Um, also had an influence designing this, um, depends how far you want to take that. I like doing that because that's just the way my mind works, unfortunately, um, so if we think that last week also has an effect, I, I do think there are elements of Scottish design in this, in this track. Um, we agreed at the end of the day that, that China had an influence. Perez has, as one of Foshan, um, third Hong Kong. Anyway, it goes on and on and on and on. You can get around. So I thought Perez, should he come back to form his sparkling irons like he showed at Wentworth last year, um, was potentially overpriced at 33. So I think his class uh, potentially is better than these. But it's whether you believe in that he's going to, going to um, achieve that like he does often when he comes back to this country or whether you know he is out of form in which case you can overlook the 33. Jordan Smith, you can't. I mean, we love Jordan, but you can't possibly do it. Um, so my card started at Matt Jordan, to be honest with you. Um, who I thought uh, you know did particularly well last week coming again. He, his first two holes last week in every round was just absolutely shocking. Um, but his seated Green stuff's been fantastic. He's been top 20 um, uh, an awful lot of the time recently. Um, there, there's something about Jordan. I think we, Any you ask anybody if he's going to win anywhere, where's it going to be? You're probably going to say Scotland. Um, well, if this has got Scottish influences, um, he's got his top three top 20s in England, um, recent performances. Um, they're decent enough, the Green. I mean, he found 11 shots last week at the Hero, and that was despite playing I mean, some holes like he actually didn't know what he was doing. Uh, he was 17th at Mount Juliet, which, of course, has uh, design connections as well. Um, finding nearly five shots there um, I, I think there's something about Matt Jordan that suggests he's ready to break through it's just how short you want to go I, I think 35 in this class is about right um, and I think having did, done what he did last week I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to contend again this week so that's where my card starts.
0: We we discussed Matthew Jordan um, uh, maybe in last week maybe two weeks ago that he had that kind of run, didn't he, when he first came on the tour prominently and and it came during the kind of lockdown period and, um, you know, you wondered whether he was better when it was you know the pressure was off and how he would react to, to fans and that's something we can't ever second guess. But he's now steadily put together this really good run of form, hasn't he? You know, starting, I suppose, at the BMW International Open, which you've just discussed could be a potential link. Um, you know, 17th, 12th, 18th and 6th. There's those two miscuts in between there, you know, that may just keep the price from going completely short like Kakao Mura, down at 25 to 1. And, and like you say, you know, it's pretty much likely that a European Tour win would come in the British Isles. I would say it's probably a fair conclusion to draw, you know, 5th at the Dunhill links, 3rd at the Wales Open, 6th at the Hero, uh, 18th at the Scottish, you know, the 12th at the Irish. They're all his best OWGR finishes. Um, so I think that's probably a fair assessment too, mate. Stanley, is that something that you consider uh, when you're looking at someone like a, a Matthew Jordan? Do you think that you know this is a home bod that is certainly just going to you know increase his performance based on where he is, or is that is that something that you kind of is that block out as noise and you prefer to kind of just look at the, you know the model and and the scores and ratings that you've got?
1: Well, like I say, I, I'll use the stats to generate a short list from which I'll, I'll look at, you know, from that which ones I, I, I prefer and which ones I'll discard as being, you know, statistical uh, anomalies. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to be said in, in terms of location and, and so on. And um, Again, I'm not entirely sure whether it works for England as a location as a whole, given that, you know, we're looking at a course in Kent that's Parkland, and yet we were in Kent just a few weeks ago for, you know, for the Open. Yeah. Courses. You know, if, if it's it's about course or is it about just being a home player and so on. I think there's a lot of help for being a home player, okay, Um, in, in that respect, people who've uh, either been born in, in, in a location, a country, or own side in it. Okay. Um. It's certainly up there. I think it's it's important. Okay, um, it's not on my top list, but it's certainly something I look at if I'm looking to discard players if you are not, you know, don't want in a particular location.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And, and Stanley, of those sort of names that I mentioned there, was there any that kind of stuck out to you this week as uh, as possible bets?
1: Um, I've got a slightly different feel. I I, I'm going back to the areas as stuff about. Um, The one that that jumped out to me, given what this course looks like, it it, is Catlin for me. Uh, It's a Nicholas course, so it's very much around second shots, okay? Uh, You've got to be good at scrambling, you've got to be good at getting up and down on Nicholas courses, that's what this looks like, and you've got to be able to find the fairway to give yourself a good chance. Catelyn, that's particularly good to me. Further down, I'm looking more at, you know, someone like Samuja. Uh, it, it, it's something I'll, I'll be particularly interested in this week. Okay, or, or to an extent, Rasmus, how
0: Yeah, uh, it's interesting you mentioned Rasmus, what we got there, because he was one that, you know, as I use that location form, as I mentioned earlier, was someone that kind of stuck out to me. Um, his irons have kind of improved you know of recent um, events so I just wondered I guess that it felt like it was a little bit short 40 to 1 um, given that he really hasn't hit the heights that he did last year um, with John Catlin Stanley do you think there's a kind of a misconception that he, he needs a, a really tough event you know the, there needs to be a tough element to it but the score should get pretty low here if necessary but to do that he needs to have the skill set that he has at these tougher courses as well as the as well as well the low scoring events it's a similar skill set it just yields a different result I think is what I'm trying to say there
1: yeah I mean anyone who's good around the greens prospers on hard courses um, this doesn't look I mean I, 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 to be honest I don't know how tough this course is going to be we've, we've not used it on tour certainly European tour for stroke, but stroke play event for over a decade um, so it's it's a bit of guesswork on, on my part how it's going to play but certainly looking at the course and the design you know I, I just think that scoring is going to be good but those recoveries that that bogey avoidance uh, is is really the hallmarks of a, of a low score in many, in many courses
0: yep I completely agree with that I've gone very much down my basic um, kind of instincts of, of just looking at the guys with the hot irons, and I know that can lead you into trouble because it can just change at any point. But Chase Hanna for me, uh, Jason, um, you know, he's been in incredible form. He's one of those people that we didn't know quite how he was going to make the step up from the Challenge Tour. He was very impressive on there, but he's gone, you know, back to back, tied sit or three ties it finishes in Nairobi and clout the Euro Bank Open and Challenge Tour. Um, second and first and strokes gain approach eighth and first and tee to green. Um, as Sandy mentioned there, you know the short game is, is the slight weakness and maybe that will hold him back from winning. But I still think there's kind of value in him at you know 45 and 50 to one to really challenge for his first title.
2: Yeah, I've got two of those Herberts, uh, uh, and, and thank God Veerman isn't running. Otherwise, it have been three. Um, <laughs> Chase Hannah, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, it's it's not. I don't think it's rocket science picking him, but I agree with you. You texted me and thought that 50 to one, he was, he was decent enough price. And, and what we've seen over the last two weeks, absolutely six in par fives last week. I know we're going back, but Ross Fisher obviously, uh, did well round here, uh, in the past. Um, he was ninth in par fours. It can't do him any harm. He's got a fantastic to green game. Um, there is that worry about his, his short game, but how many of these haven't got that worry? Um, I think we saw, I think he had he had a chance to get to 19 under, I think, over the weekend with an eagle play at stunning seconds of bar five Four or five feet, something like that, barely touched the hole. Um, and I think, although that was birdie, I think that knocked him back a bit. Um, I think he would have gone on a bit of a run had he uh, had he held that. Uh, not saying he would have beaten Forrest, but I think he would have finished a place or two higher. I agree. I thought 50 to 1 was, was absolutely very fair the way he's hitting the ball. You want to go there with confidence, don't you? In yeah. your game. You don't want to be struggling around this course because anywhere offline you could end up anywhere. Um, so yeah, absolutely agree with you, mate. I, I think it's very fair. Certainly, if you look at something like uh, Vincent Norman, who's who was half the price. I'm not knocking him. I think he'll be a, a machine. Or Jordan again, you know, 20 points less. I think uh, comparatively, I thought 50, yeah, it was was very fair.
0: And also, as as Stanley mentioned, around the greens could be you know particularly important this week. He's 59th and 12th in those two starts. Around the greens, he's you know gaining almost a stroke um, there. You know, zero point eight stroke. So he's thirty-fourth in the field. So it's not it's not something that's going to hold him back necessarily from performing well. It might just be the fine detail between him, you know, contending and winning, and that's you know what we've got to look out for. But volatility's there and that sort of thing. I think it, you know different grass types, different greens, different you know how far you miss it by, etc. It all has to come into play. So um, I think the fact that he's 34th in the field over the last eight weeks in that area, I think that was promised enough for me um, Another one Schwan Kim has been in a lot of good form, he plays very well around the greens and on the greens quite often um, Slightly concerned about the fact that his irons have, have kind of deserted him after a good run, that's something that's not particularly uh, useful to him but the, the, kind of the other names that I had mentioned here were Garrick Porteous. who's um, been playing some good golf but Slightly concerned about whether he can keep that up and, and how he's getting there. His irons have not been particularly great. Um, and, and maybe I was kind of putting that on this sort of English background and, and whether that could sort of help him being a home bod. But David Law has been an incredible current form. Um, strokes gain numbers are, are great. Um, looks like a guy that can, can certainly go and, and challenge for the title, Stanley. Um, any thoughts on on any
1: of those names we just mentioned there? um no no not particularly <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing to counter what you said i think they've all got chances and and it, it does feel with it being like i said it, this course not knowing a lot about it there's a lot of people who could contend okay if it falls right i, I haven't checked the weather forecast hopefully. it's like last week uh had that disrupted the uh, hero open um yeah no I, I think it's good i think that's The one name I'm going to throw in, though, is, um, again, I I tend not to like players who've shown a lot of form recently because you don't get a good prize, but I I was surprised to still see, at least earlier today, 66-1 to on on Hugo Leon, who's, you know, I mean, 14-7, 16th in, in the last three European Tour events, second in the Challenge Tour before that. He's looking pretty consistent and he fits at this level, which... He's not a young player. He's been around quite a while and suddenly he's just found this new level to his game. And I thought his odds gonna be much lower. I don't think it's a great fit for this course, but you know, again, there's a there's a lot in, in, in that price bracket who, who really think comes to forward. You know? Yeah,
0: and that would be music to Skyler Hoaxer is who I do the, the YouTube show with. He's been on Hugh Leone. Uh, a lot in recent weeks like you say he's kind of he was a fan of his before he kind of took his little break away and and he's come back and and really performed well so like you say i think it's it's tough to to really get a grip and jason we spoke about this before uh we came on that i think there's there's a number of players and you're going to come to one in a minute as well that are, are around these numbers that that all feel like they could have a go I looked at i look at shabon Kasharma. i think there's there's so many guys that can make a case and And what was, you know, Ross Fisher's... There was a lot put towards the fact that he drove his way around that golf course and he didn't get there earlier in the week, so he wasn't worried about hazards. He kind of just took driver and went with it and length helped him. Um, But you kind of have to take into the fact now that Ross Fisher isn't a long hitter. He's, you know, average nowadays and and most of these guys can hit the distances that he was hitting then unless the golf course is significantly changed. Um, I don't think, I think there will be a, a premium on his in a fair way and not having to worry about bombing it miles because I don't know that that's going to be a, a massive advantage here this week. Right.
2: Who
0: knows?
2: Who knows? But like, like you say, I mean, I think this is where we talk about these sorts of players. Uh, and apart from a couple at the top, this is exactly where your in and out contention page comes in because you put your bet on at the beginning and I've no doubt that the likes of, of these great iron players are going to be in contention. But it's when you get to the nitty gritty, you want to stick in that in out contention thing and and type in where they've finished, where they've been, you know, between first and fourth or whatever, first and tenth. uh, And you'll get a shock uh, and you'll be praying that they hold on for the seventh place. Um, And talking of that, we have another classic uh, one in uh, Sean Crocker, who um, it's interesting that that sort of Stanley mentioned uh, Cali Samoya because Samoya won Hainen. I'm going on about this Chinese thing, but, you know, I don't <laughs> care. Right. When he won the Hainan Open, Grant Forrest was second and Sean Crocker was third, um, which, you know, since then looks looks better form than it obviously did at the time. Um, he's also got third in Foshan, which, which works uh, perfectly well, again, and that's behind Victor Perez and Bob McIntyre. So we know that he's got the class to win. We've been watching him banging irons for ages. Perhaps he should have won the Alfred Dunhill that, that Bez won. Um, that was a very, you know, he just emotion got hold of him on the 18th when he pulled that left. Uh, but he is ranked third in par fives over the last three months, and that's over 21 rounds, which is a, a, a bit more than some of the others that are up there on those stats. Um, so his average on the par five is excellent, which could count this week. We know he's to green games in good shape, 7, 21, 2 and 9. Um, led the approaches in Ireland. I really like Really like the Irish form um, here. I think this is going to feel like a um, Scottish type type event. Maybe maybe not Scottish links, but you know, a mix of partland like we saw last week. Um, I, can, I can forgive the Scottish Open. That's absolutely fine. 72, 72. Um, nothing wrong with that at all. Just didn't make the weekend. Um, I, I really like him. I think he's got the distance. He's got the, the iron game. Um, again, it's a matter of. What's he do on the greens? We've seen him miss plenty of four and five-foot putts, but it's, it's all relative to the field. Um, I personally could have easily had him, you know, bigger price at 40s, to be honest with you, given that you can get seven places. So he, he's yet another one to, to rank alongside um, Chase Hanna, although he's less exposed. Um, in terms of he's going to be there, it's it's a matter of whether they drop or not. So I was happy to put him in.
0: Yeah, and you've got another, another Englishman and someone that we've been in the show is, is one of your other selections as well.
2: Is he? Oh, is he?
0: What, Mozart? No, Chris Paisley you were talking
2: about. Oh, Chris Paisley. So, yeah, again, you've got Chris Paisley, James Morrison. Again, both experienced. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Morrison played well last week. So, no matter whether you want to take 100 points or whatever, is less less now. But this is his time. This is time to shine. You know, it's it's the right place for him to do something. But, uh, yeah, Chris Paisley. Uh, we discussed him one south african open um and i again it's a bizarre link but i'm sure there's some south african form coming into this uh he was third in the bmw behind stenson way back and obviously stenson's got form here um and he was tied fourth at last year's scottish uh behind a tagi uh, Aaron, Rye was third there and Aaron Rye is a very very careful very meticulous player that also has form at the irish open and um and over at uh gary player um so I thought Paisley looked as though he's coming back this week. I know that you know him quite well. you have spoken to him quite a few times. Um he's got a good short game when he's right, hasn't he? Um yep, definitely. It, it's it's hard. I think he's hard to predict. Uh both just wonder whether that was just a spur in the right direction last time. Um tenth in greens in reg, fifth in putting average. We'll take it on to this week. And what doesn't look particularly, uh, you know, I know that um you know, Wiesburg is obviously in, in decent form. But the others, you could, you know, you could certainly see them, you know, bailing out. I mean, yeah, OK, I'll forgive Catelyn. We like Catelyn. We've been on twice in running this year. But Sullivan could easily bomb out. He does often. You know, Camura may not do it. Bland, we don't know if he's if he's going to keep that form up. So if you take those as being quite weak, um, I think there's quite a few in the sort of 50 range that, yeah, you could, you could have a definite big go at.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I There wasn't really any long shots that kind of stuck out to me this week, which is something that we don't really attribute to this, but I just didn't find anyone in, in triple digits. I, I kind of looked at Lyricus Beauregard again, you know, just because he does sort of play his golf tracks well. And then if Fisher's sort of skill set is something that's still always relevant here, then, then he's someone that's certainly got it. Um, and I don't think there's been a massive chunk taken out of his price considering what he did do last week. Um, it's just whether that was, as we say earlier, sort of guided by a, a, an unpredictable putting round that he's not going to get to again. So that was uh, the one concern there for me. But uh, Barry, Barry Henson played very well last week, hit some good irons. Toby Tree, you know, we talk about every now and then. He had, he had great off the tee game last week. Obviously had a hole in one as well. Um, his best finish last week. Just wonder if that will kick him on. But... Certainly for me, I didn't really look too far down here. Stanley, did you have any sort of triple-digit odds that you wanted to mention?
1: I didn't. I didn't. I say it, it's, there's an awful lot in that 50-66 range. That uh, yeah, one <laughs> well, or two of them are gonna are gonna feature very very strongly this week. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Completely agreed, Jason. Any others for you before we uh, move on to the Wyndham Championship?
2: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Saiwan Kim, who's who's short the short game and, and scrambling game has been good. But I, you know, if you want to go back and look at the archives for the Challenge Tour, I was mentioning him in 2013. <laughs> he's, he still hasn't bloody won yet, so um, no, you can leave him out for win purposes. Uh, Niall Kearney, I thought was very interesting. Uh, in some way, some shape, some form, it's probably going to be in running. Um, yeah, you don't know what he's going to do. Um, but he's got some mad low rounds I mean I remember Canary Islands when really he went absolute loop in the final round at 61 to join the 64 there last week he finished strong 66-66 over the weekend opened up BMW International with a 65 he can really shoot the lights out I'm not sure this is going to be his particular track but you know like we say we've no idea uh, on the peak of his form I think he's of interest for a top 20 or something like that because he can he can definitely show up in his class and he can he can you know, level out his uh bogeys with with plenty of
0: birdies, but he would be he would be the only one really, to be honest. Yep, yeah, I completely agree with that. If we move on to the Wyndham Championship, which is a course that we know uh very well, so the polar opposites. Um I kind of find this event a bit of a relief because I think that you generally tend to know what you're getting with this. Um I think that, you know, you spoke about the heritage earlier, Harbour Town. Um, being a strong link uh, the players, I think it's 5 of the last 6, 5 last 10 I think 11 maybe that have won both events um, so the, the crossover there is is superb, you know, slightly short of Bermuda grass greens um, but Webb Simpson, I think we we will all agree makes a, a fairly worthy favourite, um, coming back into form now um, with you know back to back top 20 finishes at the Open and then WGC last week um both fair to say reasonably good golf courses for him uh, in the end um but this one is it's the best of the bunch for him you know he's got a kid named after it for a reason uh, he's got a win he's got four top three finishes in his last four starts here uh two seconds two thirds and he's got two further top sixes before that uh, in 2014 2015 so All I would say on Webb Simpson is I think he's going to give you a very, very good run at some point. I think that if you're sweet on anyone short at the European Tour event, you could probably double them up. Um, And it's not difficult to see why he is 12-1, to is it, Jason?
2: No. Um, You talk about Webb, of course, which is the first one that comes up, isn't it? I mean, I like comparisons as well to Eastlake, Travellers, as we have discussed, Harbour Town, Southwind as well, maybe. Um, Yeah, it's it's in front of you isn't it What, what do you want if, if that's what you want in a short short price player he's got it in spades isn't he I think there are other web type players down further down who take a little bit more risk on at a bigger price but you can't knock some of saying you know you're going to lump on lump on web you know each way but it's, it's not for me but you would struggle to see him out the of first eight, when you really especially after encouraging a bit of form over the weekend
0: yeah. I certainly would agree with that. And then you've you've got next up, you've got Hideki Matsuyama at fourteen to one. who obviously lost out in the in the playoff last week. Louis Ustase eighteen to one. Patrick Reed twenty two to one. And Brian Harmon twenty eight um, to one. Stanley, did any of those make appeal to you? No. But bottom line,
1: no. <laughs> I mean, consecutive weeks of losing playoffs um, for Matsuyama. Okay, it was for bronze won in the olympics yeah. it's going to take its toll if i could come back just slightly i mean again we, we focus a lot on on um you know outright markets um there's a really good there's, there's one book market but make really out of line for web Simpson to finish finishing the top 20 you know if, if you if you um you know, if you don't mind taking an odds on okay you know, treat it like it's a, a, a you know your odds on a football match. So that's a cracking bet if, if you can get 6-4 on WebSense in the top 4 I think that's a really good value now, I would never detract anyone from, from looking at these lower priced top 20 markets you know just, just because for a lot of players it, it's where there's a lot of money to be made
0: uh, that's a really good point because I think Jason we're, we're probably quite guilty of it and, and golf punters as a whole probably are is that it is a sport where you can have massive winners, and it happens all the time. Where there's triple-digit winners, so everyone gets very, very excited, and the whole of Twitter runs. Someone at 100 to one, and everyone pats each other's back. But if you're if you're seriously trying to find an edge and seriously trying to you know just you know increase your bankroll, it, it does pay to look at these side marks and, sh- and shorter odds. Yeah, absolutely, and and match bets and stuff like that. And uh,
2: yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean it's it's when you think about it. You know, you, you can have occasions. I'm not quite like that. But you might have five, six tournaments and people are betting four or five in each tournament. You know, if you ended, if you ended the week at four or six, your total stake, you might be happy. So, um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, how many hundred to one shots are you going to have a year? But, yeah, where, where's Webb Simpson going to, you know, how can he be out in the top 20? Who knows? That's for That's for. Would you lay even money him not to be in the top 20? Yeah, probably
0: not. No, I don't want to be. I don't want to be taking anything on against Web Simpson at all. So, um, I gave Will Zalatoris a second look just because I think he it feels like he needs to get that win. Um, and he is playing well again. Slight concerns over the fact he's still playing through that back injury. I think that could come up at any time. Uh, Siwoo Kim plays the golf course very, very well. Um, but it was an absolute disaster last week. But that is Se C- with Kim in a nutshell. I think he can just just as easily come back and win here. Um, Are they?
2: How much? Coming, sorry, Tom. How much do you think sort of the military things playing on him and uh, uh, Sunday?
0: Yeah, I'd, it's it's tough, isn't it? You know, I think I think you say all the time, don't you? It's, it's really hard to to get a read on on people's mentality. But I think having taken time out of majors championships to prepare for the Olympics and then to perform you know there's no real other way to put it quite disappointingly um i imagine that hurts a lot um you know even if he wins this week it's still not going to be enough um so i don't know i I don't know mate i think i think it it is probably quite intimidating because you you just see the amount of golfers that go off and do this military service and they just don't come back do they um and see we've been 26 years old and He hasn't. He's won and he's won prestigious events and he's won a lot of money. But he hasn't. He certainly hasn't set himself up to the point that he can risk losing that all to to spend two years out of the game. No, Sang Moon Bay was was the one I was yeah,
2: following back in the day, and now and, and you know off they went and very rarely to be seen again. Really, um, not surprising. But uh, yeah, yeah. I just wonder whether that's. Pl- I mean, I obviously had him and, and Kim written down.
0: Um, yeah. But I just can't. I just think there's too much behind it. Yep, I, I kind of went past him in the end, I, not because of what he'd done last week, but just I thought the 40 was was about right. And I kind of look at this sort of range now of 50s, I thought you sort of Kevin kids in there. You, you and I both spoke about Brent Snedeker earlier and, and we had done on previous podcasts. It does feel like he's now returning back to form and he's returning back to form where you'd expect him to do so as well. So I think the, the thing with Brent Snedeker is always had a limited amount of golf courses that he can perform on and perform well on and this is one of them so while he's now returning to a a decent uh skill level a first third and fifth place finishes here i think he shot his 59 here as well broke the course record obviously um he was there at 55 to 1 was that your first selection jason no i like kisner as well you do like kisner
2: they're, yeah they're both of the same generation aren't they they're not exactly got their best shoes in front of them yeah I like them both I mean I think if you sniff any improvement from someone and then they come back to this course and they've got all here but they fit they fit the Webb Simpson type player don't they um, obviously has won this he's won at Harper Town. he's got a um, 6th and a 5th at Southwind 10th uh, and two uh, eleventh at the Travellers I think every, you know everything about him I mean he's fantastic to watch putt I just think he's the best player in the world to watch putt he doesn't mess about it, so he's line bang um can we forgive last week the Barracuda was like one of those that is just we thought he'd do better didn't we to be fair mm-hmm. um, but it's one of those where you know you can't get punished for not not birdying. Um I'll forgive it he was on the run of top 20 in British Open and then and at 3M um, so given all his correlative form up yeah 50 to 1 top 8 fine and Kisner um, I note that he's also been put up on um, on tour tips by the uh, PGA Previewer Um makes perfect sense as well to me doesn't he all those all those courses that I've mentioned he's got fantastic format um, he's, you know, we know what his game is we say it every year we started it this year we started this podcast 80 Summit episodes ago and the first thing we said was Webb Simpson course takes in Daniel Berger and Kevin Kisner um, we've got to forgive the British Open when some people quietly fancied him that's fine um, can we forgive the St Jude where he's got he's got a thirtieth and a fourth in the past. Yeah, maybe as he's back here. Um got plenty of form here. Got uh sixty four three times, a sixty three and a sixty five over the over the last few years. I thought he was fair. I think he was put up at sixty on tour tips. You can't get that anymore. You can get fifty five with one eight places. It's 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 good enough. There's a lot of players here that are gonna kind of struggle.
0: So um, yeah, given what they've got behind them, I, I thought it was fair. just before I come on to you Stanley I just wanted to sort of mention that we were we didn't really know what to expect with the Olympians did we at the St Jude last week and how they would travel Uh, Abraham Ansell obviously won the event and played well at the Olympics Hideki Matsuyama second played well at the Olympics Uh, Paul Casey fifth played well at the Olympics Cameron Smith top ten at the Olympics fifth there Um, Rory McIlroy 12th and then obviously was right there at the bronze medal places as well so I think that that that's just going to lead into something that i'm coming on later but i just wanted to kind of get it out before we went on to more picks that i think that there is it's now go time for these to to make their sort of cases get themselves in good position for the felix cup um and, and make their run at that 10 million dollar is was 11 million dollar bonus now i think it might be um so stanley i, I know on the on the uh, Tortix preview that jason co was put up is that something that you sort of had a second look at as well
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's, it was one of those that when I looked at it, I thought, yeah, it it takes all the boxes. Um, won a couple of times this season or in the last 12 months, you know, greens and regulations, you know, I I like the angle that my tips has put up in terms of the uh, Donald Ross course, um, angle, you know, we've had the, uh, Detroit Golf, perhaps the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Um, I think it's a, a good angle in, and he just looks like he should do well. Okay, and we know he can win. So, yeah, you know, like the other ones, like uh, like we said for Simpson, like we said for Kisner, the sort of he should, you know, this is the sort of course on which they should really, if if they're going to get a win, it's on this type of course. Um, yeah, I think there's, I think there's certainly value at twenty eight to one on on
0: yeah, I think he's just he's just a different player these days. I think we'd looked at twenty eight one in the past and and bought Jason Kokrak and he'd always be that sort of price at at the um, sort of the Vales Bar and, and people would worry about it. But it's interesting you mentioned there that yeah the Rocket Mortgage Classic it wasn't that long ago okay, was it? It was this time last month that they were playing that. So I think that's a a good indicator. And Jason Kokrak and and Chris Kirk the other player that puts up on the on the tour tips preview both finished tied twelfth there. So. Uh, another guy that you're looking at as well. Sorry, Tom. Chris, Chris Kirk was the other uh, guy no. that
2: was put up. No, it wasn't one I was looking at at all.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some more that you were looking at then.
2: Uh, looked at JTC Poster, but I've gone off him. I mean, he does turn up at the same event all the time, Barbersole, players, interesting enough. Uh, Tied seconds, twice, so he does turn up at the same place. Heritage, obviously got six and the eight. Uh, when he won this last year he found his uh, best form since the Rocket Mortgage that we're talking about News 11, uh, led the approaches led the teeter Green, last year defending he was a bit crap first round 74 is terrible, um, round here um, but he came back with a uh, 66 wasn't it? I think, hold on, scroll down 66 in the second round um, is he back to form? Yeah potentially, 23 in approaches last time second in patting, 15 in approaches at 3M I looked at him, I, I'm not sure now. Uh, I just think he's two in and out and I'm not convinced when you look down his approach play. Uh, some of it is shocking recently. I think he'll have to improve. And there are other players that, that look more convincing. Um, so the only... I mean, looked at Ryan Moore that we discussed earlier. Could be back to form. Plenty of form at, um, the relevant events that we think. Um, but the last one I went with uh, was Ryan Armour, who I think we're struggling to believe... But when you look at what he's doing um, round here and on the relevant courses, and his overall form, he's fourth in par four birdies, you know, which nobody would have put in there. Um, He's sixth from birdies from 125 to 150 yards. I think they left plenty of irons from that sort of range uh, here this week. Six at the 3M, uh, fifth at Barber. So fourth in the Rocket Mortgage that we've been talking about. Uh, He's also sixth in the Valspar that ties in with Paul Casey, who plays well here. Third in driving accuracy, uh, his eighteenth in par four stroke average. So everything about him suggests that this course is gonna is gonna suit. He looks in flying form. Um, I can't know what price he's now. So Tom, sorry,
0: I've lost me. hundred to uh... one, hundred ten to one was the biggest. Uh, yeah, I thought. I thought.
2: Of, 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 you know, the ones we've spoken about have obvious claims. Um, but as Stanley said, you know, you're trying to look for those that that maybe uh, you know have. Equally decent claims without necessarily that win that that knocks him into 25 33 to one, and I thought Armour has has that form that that puts him bang there. I mean he's had uh, his last four goes. He's been fourth, eighth, 22nd, and 25th. Plenty of low rounds here, You want the rocket mortgage? You know um, indicator. It's there. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay with Armour at 125. I think maybe this is a week. I know somebody that does an awful lot of top 10 betting. Sometimes he texts me and says he's got 13 or 14 bets for top 10s. Um, and this could be a week where, you know, you could literally fill it up. Um, but I'd be happy to put Armour in as a top 10 or top 20 at a much bigger price.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, Ryan Armour is a selection for me as well. Get that straight off the, off the chest there. But he would be a player, I imagine, if you put sort of in and out contention as we've spoken about earlier i mean he was leading after two rounds at the freeham open and and went backwards finishing fourth and sixth but still you know relatively well held on um has won at the sanderson's farm championship back in 2017 i think he's a player that's massively improved um over the last few years he won that by five strokes as well just you know really did perform pretty well in contention there uh, was second to uh Francesco Molinari, wasn't it, at Quick and Loans when when Frankie was at the top of his game. Sick for the Travellers, which is another Donald Ross uh track, maybe not too similar to, to this one, but it's there. So I think there's a lot of upside for him. Um I, I really do. I think that, you know, it's very easy to look at guys of, of his age and his skill set and kind of draw a line through them. Um but, you know, he doesn't I suppose it sounds a bit odd but you don't really need him to win at hundreds one. You know, you you're getting sort of 20 to 1 the place, <laughs> you know, you, you're you, rather than taking on one of the top three favourites, you can have him and he's only got to finish in the top eight. So um, I like that angle. The reason I sort of mentioned what I did um, about the Olympics was CT Pan um, has obviously played uh, very well there, um, finishing in the bronze medal position. Uh, it was kind of three missed cuts, which is, you know, disappointing, but the most recent start was impressive. He's won the Heritage, which is a course that gets linked to this all the time. Um, he was tied second in 2018 behind um, Brant Snedeker, who obviously had that head start shooting a 59 in round one. Um, you know, I, I just think there's a lot to like about him. I think he's he's a guy who's eight for the Travellers as well, another Donald Rush track. So I think when you get to a course that does suit someone like C.T. Pan, I think he has the, the quality required to get the victory, which is obviously highlighted by that Heritage win. Um, held off some some pretty good players there in Matt Kuchar, Patrick Cantlay, Shane Lowry um you know they were the, you know the, the obvious people at the top of that leaderboard won twice in the Canadian tour as well back in 2015 so he's got winning pedigree um some of the prices have been removed on him which concerns me a little bit but if he's still there and he's 80 to 1 odd I'd, I'd be happy to put him in um and the only one I other oh, one I really wanted to mention was Roger Sloan um he's a player that you're going to hear all about it this week is is outside the, the 125 um he needs to have his best golf now he's gone 31st 16th and sixth in the last three starts uh he was 21st at the rocket mortgage classic that, that stanley mentioned there which is uh is a positive and kind of, and that was a second round 75 that really derailed him as well so there, there's a lot to like about him and when I, I sort of hovered over his course form here there were sort of middling 30s but he shot a 62 in round 1 um, to obviously lead here and was 10th after round 2 as well so I think there's there's something to like about Roger Sloan I, I don't really buy into the motivation factor I think they should be motivated every week there's a lot of money to be playing for so I don't think the fact they might miss out on the FedEx Cup is is something that's suddenly going to make them play better and um, that seems to be the talk of kind of Ricky Fowler this week Um, But I just thought sort of 125 to 1, um, about 8 places for someone that does need to get themselves into that spot, has played well at this golf course, um, you know, better than it kind of appears on the page. Um, And I just liked it. I thought that Rocket Mortgage thing, as Stanley was speaking, was just a sort of further indicator for me that it was someone to look at. other than that, I think there's, I'm probably going to take another look at this one during the week and, and try and draw out some, some more corallies. There's obviously courses to look at um, and, and things to adjust. But uh, any more for you, Stanley, before we wrap up the, the podcast?
1: Yeah, I'm going to throw, throw in three that have not been mentioned. Um, first one is Hank Lebioda, yeah. who withdrew last week, uh, having made the cut because he's, he's father had an issue with blood pressure. He's been on a fantastic run of form over the last three months. Um, culminating in three top 10 finishes before last week. Uh, and that includes the Rocket uh, Mortgage uh, Classic. Um, he was uh, shot 65 in the first round last year. He's clearly a much better player now. And, and with form, I, 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 was, I thought he'd be a lower price. Maybe there's a bit of worriness about the withdrawal, whether it was injury or not. I thought it'd be lower than, I think it was 55 when I looked earlier um other one i'm going to throw in Mackenzie hughes yep. um again another one who is he, he, featuring quite a lot again you know i did so famously in, in the us open so he shot seven, seven in the last round a number of recent finishes he was at six in the open you know is. He, he shot 63 in, in the first round in 2019 around this course you know i think um he, he entered the final round in 10th place he's in the top 10 he was at that point in his career where he wasn't able to kick on when he's on the final round pressure you know I, I think he's gonna another one around I think well he was what 60 to one I think that's the first chance to, to put himself into contention and again like I said I followed up on this from my tips who put up this thing about the the Don Ross angle. And that led me to Brandon Hagey, who, again, fifth last week, really good in and uh, Barracuda, top 20 in the John Deere, sixth in the Rocket Mortgage. He's a big hitter, which doesn't tend to fit well with a, a Donald Ross course, and, uh, and he's missed the, the cut. But he, he, he shot no worse than seventeen in any round, so he's not missed the cut badly. Uh, he's clearly informed. Um, you know, if he, if he's going to play it safe after tee, he did really well. He ranked third in greens in regulation last week at the Barracuda. That could be a, a good fit at around 125, 125 to one. Someone who could contend. Uh, who wouldn't normally be on my radar from the event like this.
0: Yeah, and a couple of comments on them is that Mackenzie Hughes was 17th, I think, after round three at the Olympics. Only so shot 65 on the Saturday to to climb the leaderboard and, and had a bad final day which obviously makes that look a little bit worse but he's certainly a player that, that kind of fits the statistical angle that we're looking at this week and it's interesting you mentioned Brandon Hagey because I think that you know there is this kind of thing that if it's a you driver know, drive an accuracy course that you don't want a longer hitter but the truth is that if they if they're longer hitters they can take this off the tee and and get themselves into contention that way so it will be interesting to see if he's got the maturity to take that approach um not someone that's obviously been in a lot of you know contention often um but it'll be interesting to see where he goes the other one I did give a little bit of a look at and needs to do a bit more digging was Dylan Fratelli um at 100 to 1 you know he has played very well at Heritage last year tied 8th I think he was actually further up the leaderboard there than, than that was uh, the final result um so I'm pretty happy with him plays very well in the the bigger tournaments now and again he's another player that his asset at the moment is his long driving so it's not particularly um, in keeping with what you expect here but I think that just means he can take an iron or takes a hybrid or a freewood or something and and kind of cut it down so there's certainly things to do there I think Jason Duffner's coming back to some sort of form and and fits the statistical mould Joseph Bramlett is playing well again there's a lot of names here that, that we could go on to. Sean O'Hare, I keep looking at, so hoping it's going to turn around for him and doesn't quite happen. But as I say, I'm going to look further into this one. There's some, some tasty odds available. Luke Donald's sort of flashed at times. So there's, there's things to look at there that I want to get into later into the week. Uh, but Jason, anything else before we wrap up there? Yeah, just a quick one. Bookmakers
2: obviously don't believe Rory Sabatini's silver medal at the Olympics. <laughs> um, look at his stats, they just... like. But then, you know... Was he inspired just to just to do what But you look at them, and uh, this is a man with three top tens here inside his last six starts, uh, including the six back in 2019. So it's not that long ago. Um, has that inspired him to carry on going? If it has, 100 to one he's bid. Um, again, top 20, top 20 bets, absolutely fine. I don't know if he's going to miss the cut. I'll be going on about him for the last year, and he hasn't done anything until then. Um, who knows? You know, a change, a change like that can can bring him on, can't it? So I thought he was mentioning, but yeah, I agree with with you know everything. Standing yourself said really, I think I think there are cases to be made for an awful lot of them, and so Webb Simpson will win by seventeen or something, really.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I think you know I think it's an event that you know you do have to find a different edge because it, it is spoken about as it's a, a course horse uh, event, and you know the same people turn up here every year, and they do, but they don't they don't. It's not the same winner every year, so there is sort of things to be found. Um, you know, I think Patrick Reed won here after finishing 62 two years before that, um, and hasn't hasn't set the world alight since he's been here. So I wouldn't say it's a massive course for him. Siwoo Kim miscuts either side of his win here and then subsequently has finished in top five twice. So, you know, JT Poston's got that win and, and two miscuts in the fiftieth. So there there is certainly things to be found, um, certainly value out there. Um, and i'll just say to keep an eye out for on twitter for those uh later in the week but stanley thank you very much for coming on um and going through the website with us obviously we're uh really grateful for your support this year um the, the website is, is a fantastic resource it's certainly uh, i'm not going to kind of shut praise you, for, you know, for the sake of it but it's just a, a huge asset to me that and certainly changed the way i look at things so um, thank you for you know the hard work you put into that and and for believing in us and putting it onto the website.
1: Thanks for inviting me. Glad to talk about it.
0: <laughs> Excellent, Jason. Any words before we uh, depart? No,
2: thanks, Stanley. And I can say you have honestly been a fantastic resource for Tom because he was dire before.
0: Why you give in the right direction? <laughs> lovely, yeah. That's just you know you too, yeah. So uh, look, let's uh, let's wind it up there. But Stanley, thank you very much. We'll do this again uh, in the near future. Um, any questions you guys have got since uh, the podcast goes out uh, if you're listening now and, and you just want to get in touch um, come to us come to me and Jason and, and we can certainly pose a question to Stanley um, he is available on Twitter as well but you may not be able to be bombarded with uh, a load of questions so um, come to us and we can certainly try and help you out if we can um, and then if we can't we can certainly ask a question for you um, but thank you all for listening and uh, we'll catch you all again next week appreciate your time Stanley thanks cheers Tom
1: Yes, thanks guys.